The Polynesian Paralysis Podcast, Episode 15. Welcome back to the Polynesian Paralysis Podcast. I'm Jim Gaston, your host. In the previous three episodes, we have looked at examples of Polynesian paralysis in Hawaii. Today, we travel across the Pacific and take a look at an article that appeared in the 1973 May-June issue of Oceans Magazine, Volume 6, Issue 3. This article compares Polynesian paralysis in the South Pacific to a similar condition in Mexico. The article, which appeared in the 1973 issue of Ocean Magazine, was written by Fred Hochter. Fred was born in Schenectady, New York in 1930 and attended high school on Long Island. After high school, Fred lived in Hawaii for several years, although no one seems to know exactly what he was doing in Hawaii. Perhaps this is where he experienced Polynesian paralysis. He returned to the mainland and graduated from Hamilton College and later attended graduate school at NYU. He held a variety of jobs during his life, including being a lifeguard, dishwasher, elevator man, bellhop, seaman, bartender, manager of a pet cemetery, horse rancher, flower peddler, and an illegal fishing guide. But mostly Fred was a writer and storyteller, as we shall see today in the article from Oceans Magazine. He was also a regular Baja columnist for Western Outdoor News, and he published a book in 1984 titled Baja Haha, which is a collection of stories and misadventures based on Fred's personal experiences or interactions with locals and others in Mexico. Fred lived much of his adult life in Punta Bunda, a small Mexican coastal town in Baja, California, just south of Ensenada. Towards the end of his life, Fred would describe himself as a bon vivant raconteur and fishing guy. A bon vivant could also be a pleasure seeker or lotus eater. You might recall from episode four of the Polynesian Paralysis podcast, a lotus eater is a person who spends their time indulging in pleasure rather than dealing with practical concerns. A bon vivant is a person who enjoys living the good life. A connoisseur of food and drink and other things that go along with a life of leisure. Raconteur is another French term which means someone who is good at telling stories in an interesting and humorous way. So Fred enjoyed the good life, telling funny stories, and fishing. Fred also enjoyed the simple, relaxed lifestyle of rural coastal Mexico, as we shall see in the article he wrote for Oceans Magazine. The article by Fred Hochter appears on page 22 of the Oceans Magazine. The title is Mazatlan, from freebooters to friendly host where the Sea of Cortez begins. The city of Mazatlan is on the western side of Mexico, directly across from La Plaza or Cabo San Lucas, at the southern entrance of the Sea of Cortez, which is also known as the Gulf of California. The Sea of Cortez is a large body of water approximately 700 miles long and 150 miles wide. From Mazatlan, you would look west across the Sea of Cortez about 150 miles to the southern tip of the Mexican state of southern Baja, California, and the city of La Paz. Hochter begins the article describing the various invasions of the area, which started in the 1500s, when the Aztecs arrived in searching for gold, followed by the Spanish, later Dutch, French, Americans, 
And finally, in the 1960s and 70s, the most devastating of all invaders arrived, the American tourist, with their Aloha shirts, sunglasses, and Instamatic cameras. They swept like a red tide, bringing with them the American dollar, the greatest conqueror of them all. Hochter also notes that legends are told of the Polynesian explorers who arrived by boat in this area centuries before the Europeans. Hochter describes the town of Mazatlan as an important port city at the mouth of the Sea of Cortez, the world's largest fishing hole. He notes that Mazatlan claims to have the world's largest shrimp fleet with more than 300 boats, and some of the shrimp are so large that locals call them zapatos, or shoes. Seafood remains a principal part of the local diet. According to Hochter, for only two pesos, about 16 cents, you could get a Mazatlan popsicle or a mackerel on a stick from a local vendor. Tales of sea monsters in the deep are rampant on both shores of the Gulf, particularly around the largest fishing center, Mazatlan. There are big fish in the deep water, and the real money is found in the deep sea fishing boats in the harbor. Local fishing tournaments draw fishermen from around the world to catch giant marlin, sailfish, dorado, and rooster tail. On page 27, Hochter begins a section of his article titled Manana Manana, where he mentions Polynesian paralysis and compares it to the Mexican version of Manana. He describes a typical summer day in Mazatlan where it is a comfortable temperature of 84 degrees Fahrenheit in the shade and the ocean is a refreshing 75 degrees Fahrenheit. And at one o'clock in the afternoon, local shops are closing for the new meal and afternoon siesta. Work will not resume until about 3 p.m., if at all. One way or the other, the rest of the day is downhill. Most of the real work of the day has been done in the morning. Hochter goes on to say, I have spent time in the South Pacific and have been severely afflicted with the happiest of all diseases, Polynesian paralysis, a total inability to do anything. While the results are the same, the Mazatlan syndrome has different origins. The Tahitian variety is pure lethargy and euphoria, brought about largely by the sultry air and the omnipresent scent of exotic flowers. It is an aphrodisical malady. The Mexican variety is simply a matter of policy. Unless neglecting a certain job will cause a disaster, the task will usually be put off until manana. This gives one more time to think about it, to reflect on how to do it properly, and if possible, to find a way of avoiding it altogether. Common sense. Hochter tells a story of a Mexican worker who was berated for stalling for several weeks to do a particular job. Each day the worker would tell his customer that the work would be done manana. As the customer grew more and more impatient to see the job finish, the Mexican smiled and nodded sagaciously. You know, senor, the unperturbed Mexican offered, we have finally figured out what is wrong with you gringos. You think manana means tomorrow. It does not mean tomorrow. It means not today. Hochter goes on to address the stereotype of a lazy Mexican sitting against the wall with a sombrero over his eyes, which, as he states, is a travesty on reality. Anyone who has seen the commerce of a large Mexican city 
or watched a Mexican field hand stoop and pick from dawn to dusk knows better, states Hochter. He goes on to say, there are, of course, exceptions in Mexico, as there are everywhere, but the astonishing culture of the Aztecs was not born out of lassitude. Hocker does a great job comparing Polynesian paralysis from the South Pacific with the Mexican term manana. Both terms reflect the relaxed lifestyle where people live with a healthy work-life balance and enjoy life while getting things done, even if it takes a little longer than you might expect. Towards the end of his article about life in Mexico, Hochter describes a carnival held every year when the main street is closed off and becomes a dance floor. Virtually all businesses in town come to a standstill. Free food and drinks are part of the celebration, and invitations to come home for dinner are rife. He states that the Mexicans are simply having too much fun to worry about making money. He goes on to describe the Mexican people as among the most hospitable people in the world. He personally witnessed a desk clerk being scolded by an irate gringo who demanded to know why there was a vacancy sign outside the hotel, but yet there were no rooms available. The Mexican clerk replied apologetically, Because, senor, we do not have a no sign. The culture in Mexico seems not to have many no signs. Hochter states, They are the friendliest, most cheerful people I have ever met in my travels. They will stop everything and take all day, if necessary, to help a confused traveler. Their good humor has not been tarnished by the gringos, who forget that Mexico is not their own country and expect everything to run just as it does in a plush Miami resort. This article, written by Fred Hochter in 1973 that appeared in the May-June issue of Oceans Magazine, is the first time Polynesian paralysis is compared to the relaxed lifestyle in Mexico, which leads to the experience of manana. In the next episode of the Polynesian Paralysis podcast, we look at the book Little Things That Keep Families Together, written by Arlene Cake Thrash and was published in 1976. Until then, please take a few minutes each day to be still, relax, appreciate nature, and enjoy life. Enjoy Polynesian Paralysis. <laughs>